You are listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Uh, we are continuing on in our discussion through our misquoted series. Uh, hi, I'm Joel. Alongside me, Angie, Chris. Hi, guys. How are you? Excellent, Joel. Good to see you guys today. Hi, Angie. Hi, Joel. You made it through. Um, wasn't it the uh, winter storm? Winter storm. Landon. Yeah, and just uh, that was what it was called. Landon. Landon was the name of the storm. All I know is I shoveled my driveway six times. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Landon. <laughs> Golly, uh, yeah, we are here to um, continue on our conversation uh, this week. Uh, the text that we're uh, we're coming up against, coming up against. That's not really it. We're well, we're we are addressing we are addressing some perhaps misquoted or misapplied scripture as we have been doing. So, Chris, as we always like for you to do, tee us up, give us the text, help us dive in. And then we're going to see where this goes because this one, uh, this one I have heard. I feel like this one for me particularly. This this scripture, uh, I've heard it. I I've heard it misused like maybe more than any other in my own life. Like maybe more than any other. I think. Have you misused it? Maybe that's the better place mm, to start. That's Joel. a good. That's a good question. Well, uh, let, enough about me, Chris. I'll oh, admit please. I have. <laughs> yeah, I, I've probably, I've probably in in certain in certain times of my life, I have. And I'm going to share, once you kind of give us the context, yep. Chris, then I can share uh, how perhaps I have misused this before. Absolutely. So today's misquoted verse is found in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. Now, here's the deal. The, the interesting thing about this is that it's not actually wrong. I mean, Jesus has already said, hey, I'll be with you uh, even to the very end of the age. And so it's a promise. It's true. Jesus is with us. Uh, he has promised to be with us where two or three are gathered. He is there. So it is a very, very true statement. The issue is where it comes out of context is actually where it's located. And we've picked this one verse out of this section of Scripture and have made it say something that the author, Matthew, never really intended it as we use it today. And so that's where we're going to have our conversation. So part of, and part of the challenge with any of this, and I think with some of the other texts that we have used, is uh, it, it's, like a, it's like a professor of mine used to say, hey, great thought, great truth there, but you didn't get that truth from this text. And so sometimes I, I think some, my own defensive reaction can be, but like, no, this is like a, like a truth. It's like absolutely there, you know, the presence of God with us is a truth, and it's one that we hang our hat on, absolutely. But let's use the right scriptures yeah. to talk about that. Yeah, right? actually, when you stop to think about it, in, in many of these verses, when you really think about where it's located, that should tell us something. Uh, today's verse, when you say, this one's found in Matthew 18. Boy, we hear Matthew 18 a lot, uh, but we don't hear it in, in thinking of this kumbaya, warm, fuzzy moment of, hey, let's just, two or three of us together, let's put our arms around each other, sing this. Let's sing 17 verses of just as I am. This is, <laughs> this is great, you know what I mean? And so it, it, it should tell us something 
uh, right then about what this verse might be surrounding. So Matthew chapter 18, uh, you know, the, the the funny thing, if you really think analytically about this, and I kind of messed around with this the Sunday that we were sharing this, is two or three are gathered. If you take that literally, what happens if you're praying by yourself? I it mean, doesn't does that, count. It does not count. God does not uh, hear you. We, we were joking around, too. Like, what happens if a fourth person walks in? You're like, hey, you, you just took Jesus' spot, right? <laughs> Get you, Go form your own group, find another buddy, and he will be there yeah. with you. Yeah. So I think, obviously, two or three are together. You know, when I was researching this, uh, sermon. I went on YouTube to try to find all different kinds of things, you know, that the ways that people use this. And uh, my goodness, there's a lot of warm fuzzies out there. I, I almost played a video this Sunday, the Sunday of uh, of this uh, this message, uh, where it just showed these beautiful views of sanctuaries and and uh, these really really soft people uh, voices singing, you know, where two or three are gathered. And I'm like, mm, yes. oh my word, oh my word, and. Uh, it's just not there. So no, and I think it's kind of the thing that we've talked about before that you can own. You often just look at a scripture and you take one truth yep. out of that scripture instead of the whole context. And how many times in this uh, series, Chris, have you said context is king? And so you have to look around the verse. And Jesus isn't given a lot of warm and fuzzies in Matthew eighteen. He's bringing. He's bringing the he, fire. He's bringing yeah. some heat. <laughs> so let's just have a conversation real fast. When you guys have heard this verse, how have you often heard it misused? Yeah, well, and maybe how I have misused it in the past. In my, and I want to say, I'm just going to give myself a little grace and say, I probably when I was younger, before I actually, you know, like listened to smart people tell me how to read the Bible. But like, um, so one would be, hey. We we uh we had a, a a meeting a church meeting of some sort maybe a prayer meeting a Bible study whatever the case is, and you know we have a we have a larger group but just maybe you know only a few people showed up that evening, and you know maybe you could feel a little down about that maybe you could feel <laughs> like not everybody that was supposed to be at the party is at the party but you know what guys where two or three are gathered yeah. there there I am with them, uh so you know no matter no matter what our size. Uh, this evening, as we gather together, we know because there's just a few of us here that Jesus, we can have confidence that Jesus is with us because he tells us so in Matthew 18, 20. And um, uh, that's how I've used, I, I've in the past probably, and I've heard it frequently used in that way. It's a, it's a, it's a soothing scripture for low attendance. That's, that's. Well, I was going to say, it's kind of like a self-talk that you're still okay. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I'm still okay. okay. No matter how many people are here <laughs> sitting beside me. And that's probably where I we we had this um used I can remember in the days way back when we were young. Well, two or three are gathered, God's here, we're gonna pray. Yeah. We're gonna pray. It's always been associated with kind of more praying and um asking God to intervene or whatever. Which but. is interesting <laughs> because there's actually no prayer context no. to this text either at all. It's a minor, like a minor yeah. detail. <laughs> well, if you look into Matthew eighteen, and, and I and alluded to this in the sermon, uh, by way, uh, by the way, you can listen to that sermon if you go back to our walkemc.org website and find that sermon. Uh, if you'd like more information about that, uh, but if you look back in Matthew eighteen, what we find directly before this section of scripture and directly after this should tell us something too about the context that goes on. When you look just before this section of scripture, we find the parable of the lost sheep, and that's emphasized. 
emphasizing the restoring of somebody who's gone astray. Hey, this one wandered away. Uh, we ought to bring that one back. It's worth pursuing. And uh, the section of Scripture that follows immediately after uh, this section that we're alluding to today, Matthew eighteen twenty, we find uh, the section that follows about the parable of the unmerciful servant, which is about being willing to cancel or forgive an outstanding debt in somebody. And so uh, none of those really point to the warm fuzzies uh, of just mm-hmm. gathering together, like we're starting a worship service and the worship leader just simply says, hey, just when two or three are gathered. You know, it's just no. it's not there. So, so let's talk about this. Who's who? Let's let's look at the context. Who's writing this? Matthew. Who's he writing to? Uh, he's writing to a predominantly Jewish audience. That should tell us something there. Uh, some some Gentiles sprinkled in here into the the audience as well, but predominantly a Jewish audience. So, what would the listener in the in the century that this is written in? What would the listener have thought of when they heard this? Uh, they weren't thinking of a small group gathering. They would have listened to this. The Jewish culture would have been immersed in the Torah. They would have looked back into Deuteronomy and said, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Deuteronomy 17, Deuteronomy 19, where it's talking about uh, court cases. Witnesses are required to bring a court case against somebody. You need witnesses, and the role of these two or three witnesses uh, are going to play in this case is pretty critical. So fast forward to Matthew 18, and we find this tucked right into the section of Scripture that's dealing with how to handle conflict uh, in the midst of a church with dealing with an erring brother or sister. And, and I mean, just like as you mentioned, like Deuteronomy 17, the, the whole idea there is like that basically you need this many witnesses to have a legitimate judgment pronounced. And that because it's a it's a safeguard. The whole idea really is that it's a safeguard against one person stirring up trouble for another, making an accusation, and then we get into because this never happens today. Uh, a he said, he said, or he said, she said, or she said, she said sort of situation. But rather, it's hey, hey we've brought in wise counsel, wise counsel of of a few people here that have all agreed to the validity of this situation, the validity, the validity of the accusation or the concern, whatever, whatever it is. And, and that's just at a very practical level. That's good. That's good wisdom um, in due, again, due process, so to speak. Well, Joel, and I think that's important for the listener to understand. So when you study God's story, which is the Bible, oftentimes, if you do not have a study Bible, which often is very helpful when you're looking Love at scripture, me a study Bible. right? Because you will see in the margin, yep. the verses that are connected yep. to what's being referenced here. And if we can go back and learn and understand that the beginning of even civil government. Where does it span from, Joel? It spans from how Moses and the Israelites laid out a structure and a program to live civilly together, to live, you know, in yeah. with a government structure. And that's what this is addressing. You know, we don't, and that's the thing, we don't think about like, okay, so I, I think this is maybe the easiest way to say this. If there is a good and efficient and a just way to do something, um, that is administratively wise. Uh, God is for that. We don't think of maybe of uh, of Jesus being this like uh, uh, executive pastor type. I mean, I like to think of him being that way. That's uh, really affirming uh, to me. But uh, <laughs> like 
just think about it. Like there is, there's just some good, like not everything has to be uber spiritual as far as like, there's just some good due process ways to do things. It's in the Bible. That, right. That yield like, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if you, if we're looking to the Bible for, we, we see good spirit, we see spiritual wisdom and I don't want to like make different categories here, but it's like just at the very practical level, you can apply the wisdom to this, even in other other situations, which I think is really, really interesting, right? Like, right. The, like the wisdom of two or three coming together in a, in a confrontational situation is good in the is good in other places too, not not just within the church, which I think speaks to its its ultimate truth that it operates in reality well, yeah. right? Which is a which is a again, you know, just I'm just saying, uh, it's helpful. Well, it's, it's a huge responsibility. You know, when I look back at Deuteronomy uh, and I think about the weight that is put on these two witnesses, Deuteronomy 17.6 simply says this, on the testimony of two or three witnesses, a person is to be put to death, yeah. but not, uh, but no one is to be put to death on the testimony of only one witness. And, and here's the deal. In Deuteronomy, they're saying we have to keep purity in this body. We have to take it seriously. We have to purge, it says there uh, towards the end of that section, we have to purge evil from this from the situation. The problem is in modern day church, we play games with evil, right? We, we water it down. We don't take that type of thing seriously. Uh, and I think you've seen a major, major shift. But Deuteronomy 17, hey, on the testimony of these two to three witnesses, this is critical. These people are playing a huge role in the situation. Go over to 19, and you're seeing the same type of, of deal taking place. Uh, a matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses in Deuteronomy 19.15. And again, it says in 19, Verse 19, that you must purge the evil from among you. So you fast forward now to Matthew chapter 18. I think it bears repeating just so that the podcast has its context. If we're talking about misquoted, we ought to probably lay the context here as well. Matthew 18, let me just read these few verses here. Matthew 18, 15, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their faults just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, then take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two to three witnesses, which is really important because it's what it's doing is it's pointing back to Deuteronomy chapter 19. It's referencing directly back, and it's a quote from that. Verse 17, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church, and if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two or three of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it'll be done for them in my Father, by my Father in heaven, which actually is, a, is another That's pretty another good, one. Pretty That's good verse one. we could use because we yep. pull that one out, and then it goes on in verse 20 and says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. So the context, again, it's pointing right back to a very judicious, problem-solving, conflict resolution type of situation, much like it's found in Deuteronomy, not the warm and fuzzies. Unfortunately. So, okay, this is about conflict resolution. Uh, Chris, as you said, uh, we... It, it seems so often within the church in particular, 
we we play with kid gloves when it comes to addressing conflict, addressing or addressing addressing sin or a brother or sister who, you know, call themselves a follower of Jesus. And we go, okay, um, call themselves a follower of Jesus, yet the fruit of their life would indicate whatever, whatever it might be that seems to be in contradiction. So first and foremost, um, before I go and address that person, what I need to do is go and share a prayer request with five or six people about that person. No, that no, is no, no, no that's no. no. Joel, I'm no. sorry. It says I, there. I blacked no, no. out. I blacked out for a second. Put, I'm sorry. Put a poll out on Facebook <laughs> to right. see yeah. if they believe that you're or questions involved. Yeah, that's right. Would, would, you know, I'm just asking for a friend. <laughs> that's right. Asking for a friend. Yeah. So, but yeah. I do think think that we have to uh, center in on that first verse. If your brother or sister sins. What's that word? It's sins. It's not whether you feel a certain way towards somebody or you don't like somebody. I'm just pointing that out because there's God rules here that it's applying to the word sin. And then you go and point out their fault just between who? No, wait, the two of you. Oh, wait. So I don't get to. Oh, You're really taking, you're sucking the fun out of this. Sorry. Uh, Angie. No. Well, and you know, as I was listening to Chris, I, I had his notes on Sunday morning and I wrote this down because I think many of us are in this spot. We, we like to win arguments, right? We like to sure. convince people of something. That's not the point here. The point is not even winning. And also the goal here is not actually like pointing out the sin. What's the goal here? It's restoration. Yeah, 100%. And it's the approach is humility, not this whole idea of how I feel or what I want to accomplish. It's, it's humility. And so I just point that out because oftentimes that first verse, we forget it. Yeah, yeah. And and again, even with the like the, the, the call to treat that person, if they, if they don't turn, to treat them as a pagan or a tax collector, Here's the deal. That's not a, a dismissal of them as a person. It's a it's a reordering of our approach to them. Okay. So therefore, okay, let's not assume You jumped you jumped ahead though. What I jumped You over? jumped ahead because the thing is is that you can me and Chris, we might have a disagreement. You know, Chris approaches me and says that I took his um you know, candy bar off his desk and I said no I didn't, but it I It was you did. <laughs> Busted. But he approaches me because he knows that I lied. I'm giving this as an example. Sure. And so Chris and I would be like, yeah, I was really hungry. My sugar was low. I really needed it. I'm sorry. And Chris and I may come to a restitution of right. that, right. and it stops. But the next verse points out if, you know, Chris, you come to me and, Angie, you ate my candy bar. No, I didn't eat the candy bar. I'm not, I'm not guilty, you know. Then what do you do, Chris? You bring in Joel, right? Yeah. And and then Joel brings in this, Angie, I have an idea that I think you went into his office at 2.10 when your sugar was going low, and I saw it. By the way, our our security system here is is elite. We saw saw it on the camera. Uh, So you cannot lie. Yeah, Yeah, but I think that's the important thing. Uh, You go one-on-one. Yep. But then you bring others. The, the, but the, the, the thing even about bringing others is not 
for intimidation purposes. And I think sometimes people think, well, I'm going to bring these I'm going to bring the squad. Yeah, and they're going to – we're going to gang up on you. No, it's really somebody who's going to come with you who's got humility, understands Scripture, good relationship with the Lord. It's healthy, mature, somebody who can be a, a truth teller, a truth listener, listen for where where the story is at odds, because we all know that very rarely in any kind of conflict is is a zero percent one side and a hundred percent another. Listen for where you know mediation can take place and we can work this thing out. So. Right. And I think coming together with those people that that's the second step. And I think we often jump to the second step without doing the first step. Yeah, and I said this on the Sunday morning that I shared this message. I think it's important, though, we sometimes see this as a one and done. And, and I think yeah. that's something that we need to reiterate here, too. Uh, this is a process. Nowhere was it ever said, hey, try this once, and if they didn't listen— and because uh, we all know if somebody comes and confronts us about something, there's a little bit of shock. We're put off a little bit. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to respond. We haven't processed what somebody is accusing us of. And so we need some time. And so it might be a series of conversations one-on-one. And if we get to the point where we say, well, we can't figure this out, let's bring in somebody else that's going to help us. It could even be agreed upon, like, who can you who can bring? You who bring? can mm-hmm. I bring? And let's bring in a third independent party just to listen. And so therefore, now it's somebody else trying to help us out, restating the issue. But this doesn't have to be even at at phase number two, which is bringing more people, a one and done. What if we said over the next few months, we're really going to work to resolve this. We're going to make some agreements along the way that we're going to live at peace with each other while we're trying to sort this out. And then let's, let's seek seek the Lord, let's seek the scriptures, let's seek counsel from other people, and let's try to resolve this issue. Then if it gets to the point that's just not working, And it says, tell it to the church. But I noticed something very interesting. Nowhere in Matthew 18 does it say, hey, call the executive pastor, because obviously they skip the senior pastor. Clearly. And uh, and call the family pastor (laughs) uh, and, and sit down with them as that two or three. I think that it, it's it's anybody who's a follower of Jesus ought yeah. to be able to play a role in that restitution, the res, restoration of a relationship type of process. Yep. Right. It's all our responsibility. I think that's the whole idea of when it says live at peace. Yeah. He's not just calling us to make peace in the church. He's calling everyone to this. And And I just have to ask the question, I mean, of myself, like, am I living in such a way— like, do I take on a posture of spiritual maturity there to be able to go in? Like, could I legitimately in that situation go in with an unbiased, an unbiased perspective? Because because this is the hard this is the hard part. Like, especially in today, I just feel like we're so tribal about so many things. We it, uh, there's just there's constantly side t- like we are a culture of side taking. Like, take take a side, and you know, I just man, I just had. Uh, actually a lunch meeting today with another pastor today. And we were talking about this idea of, listen, I want to be on the side of truth. I don't care. I don't care who that means that aligns up with. Like if it's like party A or party B, it's like, no, I want to get at the truth. And I want to call all people to that versus trying to figure out which quote unquote side I have to be on of, a, of an issue at the end of the, of the day. Um, now <clears throat> the problem is, is that that's, that's true hard work and, and, Boy, oh boy, does it require the presence of the Holy Spirit with us, guiding us into all truth, guiding us into humility, taking on that that posture. Um, because you will, all of us will be tempted the, just to be baited by the enemy 
into either side taking or because sometimes, and I've this has been my experience recently. It's like, yeah, takes two to tango. In this, uh, turns out that there is a uh, there's a disagreement here or a misunderstanding or whatever, and maybe both sides have to come to the table and say, "Yep, was a misstep here. Yep, I shouldn't have done this over here on this side." You know, and 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 working through that, I'm I'm also interested in the idea of um, well. Like I said, because you're right, I did. I jumped ahead to the uh, to, dismi- right. to dismissing well, people like pagans and tax I think this is but. different, though. I think we are as human beings, as sinners. You have to remember, we're sinners relating to other sinners. That's a huge truth that yep. everybody has to approach conflict with, because if we look and we we form our own tribe or our own ideas, we're sinners looking at centered we're we're kind of coming together and so with that how do we reconcile well we'd go by what the bible says you know approach each other talk to it yeah. each other um sin isn't sin is something that we've gotten a little soft on and i think we have to realize that there's sin in yeah all our lives and and something that i was reminded of in a book that both angie and i uh read here recently this this whole approach to any conversation with the um, like I'm gonna listen like I'm wrong, like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna listen, like I'm, yeah, I'm, like like I might be I might be mistaken about something, um, and so, convince me con- and convince right. me that I'm wrong. I mean, yeah. I want to hear you out. Like right. I want to listen that well that I might be convinced that I might be wrong. And I think when we're looking at this scripture, though, it's saying you know, does this person even? The word listen, I think, and maybe we could go into what the Greek and is saying here, but I think this person is saying, I'm not willing to even like approach sure. this sin. Sure. That's kind of where I think like it's almost like tier two that we've well, if somebody's really repentive and maybe it's um willing to work on things, I think you stay in that tier one. But tier two is like, hmm, they're not willing. They're kind of putting up the the wall. Bring a couple people in with you. And then what happens in tier three, Chris? There's a there's a, this third tier that when you said bring it to the church doesn't necessarily mean that it's um, the pastors. But I do think what I see in this is that there's accountability Correct. outside of well, yourself. It's concentric circles. Right, yes. you start small, you work it out bigger. This isn't something that has to become a gossip deal where we keep telling more and more people. But unfortunately, it's not getting resolved. We have to go bigger. And then it says at the very end, and, and Joel, you alluded to this earlier on. You know, treat them like tax collectors or pagans. And I think there's an important, maybe twenty twenty two, reminder to this. Uh, how are we supposed to p- treat people who are unbelievers? It's not that we shun them. It's not that we have nothing to do with them any longer. We treat them like somebody who doesn't believe, which means we seek their salvation. We want to do well by them. We want to be kind to them. We want ultimately to show love with the hopes that they will return to Christ. And, but our, our assumptions about them are different. Like like what, what we come to the conversation table with, uh, to your point, is – is we are different minded. I mean, we all know this. When I'm sitting across the table from an unbelieving person, first of all, I, I do have to extend full humility to the idea that listen, okay, my my words do not carry the same my my words and my convictions do not carry the same weight or do not carry the same authority as they do with someone else 
who is in Christ with, with me. So, okay. So we're now going to kind of, we're going to hit the reset button here and we are going to exactly, we're going to work from, we're going to work from a different understanding at that point, knowing, okay, cause it, it may be the case. Maybe, maybe the Holy spirit is not active in their, in their life, the way, the way it is with the rest of us. And so it would make sense that their reaction to the church coming to them and trying to intervene and trying to bring restoration, that the response would not be the desired, you know, outcome initially. And so it is a reframing because I think the other, the other option is, is like this, this person, they're not, they're not coming around to a right way of thinking. And now I'm angry and disappointed and, and everything else. It's like, well, you might need to reframe how you, how you understand that person is hearing you or, or experiencing uh, experiencing correction, which, and let's just be honest, no one likes that. No, no one likes to have someone come to come to them and say, "You're you are in error. You are, you know, you've either done this correct incorrectly, or you've w- whatever the case might be." Like no one, no one likes that, right? And I, but I think Joel too. We want to point out here, like we're we're not what we would know in our Amish community is shunning somebody. We're not, we're not pushing somebody away and not talking to them or that kind of thing. This is actually a re kind of configuration of that person in your mind saying, you know, they are an unbeliever. Maybe their walk with Jesus isn't where it needs to be. That's what that's reframing what he's saying there. But I also, I also don't want to miss the idea that sometimes in the scripture, you'll see Jesus does he stick around when somebody doesn't always take the truth? We're we're counting on it, uh, and that is the story of his disciples. I mean, yeah, one one hundred percent. There is a uh, there's just a long there's just a long suffering with people, which like that's what I see in this whole. I mean, in this text, like as we're talking about conflict resolution, it's. Number one, get after the problem. Don't stew about it. Don't work out on the margins on it. Get after the problem. Bring the community in. But then, like, the way we're directed to do it literally is the, is the, most, it's the most effective way, but it is the most challenging way. Like, we are, we are being called to a deep spiritual conviction that our actions would be would be the most intentional, loving, gracious, mercy-filled actions possible and that we would not revert to, well, to the way the world handles uh, conflict or resolution, which is basically writing somebody off and taking the easy route. So, Yeah, I think we have a lot to learn uh, in this uh, time frame that we live in today. When we look back at Scripture and we understand how it happened back in Bible days, we look at how we're doing it today. Uh, I think we have this idea, and I, and I honestly have to say, I think that this is Satan's idea. You know, if he starts to treat us, and this is a topic for another podcast, but this whole idea of judge not lest you be judged, that whole concept, I think we've we've adapted that. And so therefore, we don't do conflict well because we're like, well, you know, I mess up too. And so what happens is we kind of let it all go under the bridge, and it just, it's, it just never gets resolved. So I think, uh, church, listen, I think we have 
have to do a better job at resolving differences and conflict between us. And uh, Matthew 18 tells us a lot about it, but where two or three are gathered, it really isn't about the warm and fuzzies. It is about an intentional role that we have to take and sometimes play in order to bring about resolution to conflicts within the body. Friends, we know you can do it. We, we, as we've said, this is, this is not uh, a role reserved for religious specialists. This is, uh, this is a call to the body of Christ to be the body of Christ to others. Um, it, wouldn't it be just great? Wouldn't it be great if the world looked to us and said, man, those Christians, they know how to resolve things. They know how to love each other through hard conversation. Like I, that, that can be the mark um, of a Jesus follower. It ought to be the mark of a Jesus follower. So that's our, that's just a, our challenge to you. Um, and to each and every one of us here, uh, Chris, thanks again for the message and Angie for just, uh, come alongside, uh, myself here and, and having this conversation. We, we hope these are helpful. And, uh, I know it's a challenge to me. I walk away from each and every one of these going, uh, man, uh, God is using uh, these particular scriptures in this season to really, uh, yeah, just to highlight some things, highlight the important call that he has on our lives. So thanks, everybody, for listening, for uh, tuning in. We look forward to joining you again next week as we continue on in our Misquoted series. Until then, grace and peace to each of you. At Home, the podcast is produced by Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkiemc.org. That's W-A-K-Y-M-C.org. From there, you can click on the At Home tab for more information. Thanks for listening.